Today is Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Sitkins will begin casting their ballots at 7 a.m. this morning in the local municipal election at Harrigan Centennial Hall. Ten candidates are vying for six open seats on Sitka's Assembly and School Board, and there are two important ballot propositions. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. Former Mayor Valerie Nelson, sitting Assemblymember Kevin Mosher, and incumbent Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis are in the running for the mayor's chair. And it may be a tight race. With a three-way split, any candidate could win with just 34 percent of the vote. Assemblymembers Tor Christensen and Kevin Knox's seats are up for re-election this year. While Knox is not running for another term, Christensen is one of five candidates to throw his hat in the ring for a three-year term. Former Assemblymember Richard Ween is also seeking a seat, as are fisherman Chris Yested, local business owner Chris Hinalski, and Ryan Herbert. For school board, two candidates are on the ballot, Mitch Mork and Tristan Gavon. Both were appointed vacancies on the board over the summer. Three seats are up for grabs, however, and until late last month, only Gavon and Mork were vying for them. But on September 23rd, Melanie Board filed to run as an official write-in candidate. The top vote-getter will take a three-year term on the board. The runners-up will take a two-year term and a one-year seat, respectively. Sitkins will also consider two ballot propositions. Prop 1, if approved, would change the way cannabis is taxed locally, replacing the traditional 6% sales tax with an 8% tax on marijuana, and the revenue from that tax would go toward the Sitka School District's Student Activities Fund. Prop 2 would fund the construction of a marine haulout at the Gary Paxton Industrial Park with up to $8 million from Sitka's permanent fund, money the city received in April of this year when it sold the former Sitka Community Hospital building to search. Polls close tonight at 8 p.m. Raven News will be live shortly thereafter from Harrigan Centennial Hall with election returns as they come in from Sitka and our surrounding listening communities and with interviews with the successful candidates, if they are known. As has been the case in the past, close races may be decided by absentee and early votes. As of last Friday, Municipal Clerk Sarah Peterson reports that 594 Sitkins had voted early in person, and around 140 had mailed or faxed in ballots. That means just shy of 800 votes, not counting the ballots that came in yesterday, will be counted beginning at noon on Friday, October 7th, in Harrigan Centennial Hall. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. A helicopter from Air Station Sitka hoisted two Juno boaters to safety after their landing craft ran aground in last Saturday's gale. The pair's distress call came into Coast Guard headquarters over VHF radio at 12.40 a.m. on Saturday. They reported that their landing craft, the Wind Chaser, was on the rocks in Pavlov Harbor, about 23 miles southeast of Huna, and they were wearing life jackets and were preparing to abandon ship. Communication with the pair was then lost. The Coast Guard launched the helicopter crew along with a response boat crew from Station Juno and the Coast Guard Cutter Pike, as well as issuing an urgent marine information broadcast to alert mariners in the area. Air Station Sitka flew to the area and located the man and woman who were stranded on a beach in low visibility. They had signaled the helicopter with handheld flares. Both survivors exhibited symptoms of hypothermia. They were hoisted aboard and flown to awaiting EMS personnel in Juneau for medical evaluation. COVID risk has been low in Sitka for two straight weeks now, but with around 10 cases per week being reported to health officials, but COVID is not over. 
In fact, it remains the third leading cause of death in the United States, right behind heart disease and cancer, but ahead of car crashes and strokes. Still, the downward trend in data is a good sign, and Alaska health officials are confident that vaccines are key to maintaining that trend. KCAW's Robert Wolsey reports. After a summer break, state health officials have resumed their monthly teleconferences for media. And although delivering needed support to far west communities battered by the remnants of a tropical typhoon and educating about monkeypox are high on the State Department of Health's list of priorities, COVID remains a headliner. With the advent of home testing, the department doesn't have hard data on how many people currently have COVID, but the trends are moving down both in Alaska and nationwide. State epidemiologist Dr. Joe McLaughlin is encouraged by the trends, but he's not dropping his guard. What does this mean? Does this mean that uh, that uh, COVID is gone? No, we still have COVID cases uh, in, in Alaska and nationally. Uh, at last report, there were somewhere around over 300, maybe 350 deaths per day that are being reported nationally. There's some variability in, in what those deaths all represent, but just uh, suffice it to say there is still a fair amount of COVID activity occurring. Still, health officials are feeling pretty confident that COVID, if not out, is at least down. That's because the potential harm to most people has been dramatically reduced, and that's because of the mRNA vaccines. Science has kind of caught up to these vaccines. Dr. Lisa Rabinowitz is a staff physician with the State Department of Health, both Pfizer and Moderna are making so-called bivalent vaccines, which combats both the original strain of COVID-19 and the Omicron variants. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control is also simplifying the guidelines around boosters, and Rabinowitz says this should make the choice a bit clearer about when to get boosted. We're very happy with this. We're kind of moving away from how many boosters have you had and it's just straight, if you're 12 years and older, if it's been two months since your primary series, you are now eligible for this updated booster. And the original boosters remain available for kids age 5 to 11. For kids age 6 months to 4 years, only the primary COVID vaccine series is recommended and no boosters. Rabinowitz says that the jury is still out on how long someone over 12 should wait after an infection to get the new boosters, the current guidance is three months, but there are those who wonder if they should game it a little longer in order to have good protection around the holidays, for example, when they might be traveling. I don't think we know the data on that yet until we get some more real-world efficacy with these updated boosters. And so at this point, really, um, you know, sticking with that guidance for now with the three months, I think we'll get more information. And as we've all learned in this pandemic, flexibility is key. Flexibility is why boosters have become so effective. The booster vaccines are basically the same formula that's been administered to millions of people in the U.S., but they target a different antigen. It's a bit like the flu vaccine, which is tweaked every year to target the version of influenza that health officials expect. As a result, the boosters don't require the extensive clinical trials that the original vaccines were subject to. And did I mention flu vaccine? Dr. Rabinowitz says it's time for that as well. You can get it at the same time as your COVID booster, and anyone six months and older is eligible. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. You can get more information on where to get a COVID vaccine or booster by visiting the COVID Information Hub on our website at kcaw.org. 
Hundreds of refugees from the war in Ukraine have come to Alaska to settle, mainly near family in places where, where they have Slavic communities. Much of the influx of Ukrainians follows a wave of immigrants from former Soviet bloc countries who moved to Alaska in the 1990s. But as KUAC's Tim Ellis reports, this year's wave of Ukrainians appears to have crested. Soon after Russia invaded Ukraine back in February, President Biden enacted the Uniting for Ukraine program to help those fleeing the conflict find a temporary home more quickly than through conventional refugee efforts. Since then, more than 54,000 have come to America under the program, including more than 300 who came to Alaska. So we saw this immediate rush of people, right, who applied right at the beginning of the program, were approved, and then got their families here as quickly as possible. Issa Spatrizano oversees refugee settlement and food resources for Anchorage-based Catholic Community Services, and she serves as Alaska's state refugee coordinator. And she says she and her staff have been busy over the past few months. Statewide, we're seeing some serious growth in the refugee resettlement program. It's the largest year in the state's history, by far. Spatrizano says most of those who've arrived in Alaska under the Uniting for Ukraine program have family who've applied to sponsor them to live in places where previous waves of Slavic-speaking immigrants have settled. The largest Ukrainian community statewide per census data are Anchorage, the Matsu Valley, and Delta Junction. The earlier immigrants began coming to Alaska in the 1990s from nations that previously were part of the old Soviet bloc. Many former Soviet Union arrivals um, independently decided to move to Alaska and decided to make their home across the state, but especially in the area of Delta Junction. Spatrizano told members of the Delta City Council last month that the refugee program she heads up got started in response to the formation and growth of Delta's Slavic community. And um, ultimately ended with um, Refugee Assistance and Immigration Services, the program we now know being established to serve refugee populations that call Alaska home. Spatrizano said in an interview last week that the influx of new arrivals had begun to slow. Spatrizano says she'll continue updating Alaskans about the Uniting for Ukraine program, especially those who live in communities where many of those fleeing the war have come to live. In Delta, I'm Tim Ellis. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to or read our stories again on our website at kcaw.org. Just a quick look at the weather forecast for today. It's currently 50 degrees under partly cloudy skies. In the forecast, there's a 30% chance of rain after 4 p.m. Mostly cloudy skies with a high near 61 degrees and northeast winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. Quick reminder that polls are now open in Sitka. They're going to be open until 8 p.m. this evening. And just a couple of community calendar events here before I turn it back over to the fine folks in the air room. Sitka Youth Soccer's fall season starts October 9th for all youth in kindergarten through 12th grade. The University of Alaska offers a small vessel operator class that starts today. And it runs.